Goblins and Ghouls, you are listening to I Saw in a Movie, an advice podcast co-hosted by your friendly cinematic pals at Movie John. I am the old sport and classic coroner, Rosalie Kicks, and this is my film pal, The Red Herring. Ryan Silverstein. And each episode, we take a question from our listeners and go to the movies for the answer. So Ryan, how is it going? Uh, it's going okay. Um, I am full in the midst of my, um, Halloween watch list, my Halloween, my Hallow watch. That's, that's what I called it. Um, (laughs) so I've been trying to get through, I ended up putting 36 films, uh, on my list and I have watched 19 of them so far. So the only thing stopping me from completing this list potentially might be the Philadelphia Film Festival and how many films I decide to watch for that. Um, but I am making good progress. I'm enjoying most of the movies on there. Uh, we were talking before we started recording that I've caught up on all the Halloweens, um, minus the Rob Zombie ones. So I've seen some some good movies as part of it. And otherwise, I'm just enjoying the you know the cooler weather, the falling leaves. Um, you know, pumpkin flavor and sweets of all kinds. Yeah, I too, you know, took your lead and made a Halloween watch list. And I have found it to be so fun because, I mean, it's not really forcing me. I don't want to make it seem like it's a chore because I'm enjoying it. But it's just having me be able to cross movies off my list that have been on for so long. Like last night we watched Haosu. And I had never seen that movie. We have had the Criterion for like a year and a half. And holy crap, that movie is freaking fantastic. I don't know if you have seen it. Uh, I have not, but it's it's definitely one I, I would like to see sooner rather than yeah. later. Yeah, you, you have to watch it. It is just completely wild. And I cannot believe like it came out of someone's mind. The imagery, it's just, it's honestly like unlike anything I've seen, really. Like, it's just really crazy. So I I highly recommend. Uh, But how about flick picks? What, you know, have you watched recently that you want to share with everyone? Yeah, so my flick pick is actually uh, not going to be a movie this week. Um, I wanted to recommend a board game. Ooh. Um, so we recently had friends of the show, Garrett and Tori, uh, over our house because they're new to our neighborhood and we've all been very, very cautious around the pandemic. Um, and so this is the first time we've socialized with people, uh, not in an outdoor situation since March or since February, probably. But, um, yeah, so this board game is called horrified and it is a cooperative game 
in which the players try to defeat uh, monsters, specifically the universal monsters. So, oh my God, this sounds amazing. It's it's super fun. Um, I don't know how many board games, like how much of a board game player you are, Rosalie, but um, for people out there listening, it's very similar in structure to the game Pandemic, which is actually very popular, but obviously not one that people really want to play right now. Um, right. <laughs> but it's really fun because it's cooperative. So you're not competing against the other players. There's no... You all win or you all lose together. Either the monsters oh, cool. win or the players win. Yeah. Oh, well, I kind of want the monsters to win. Now. <laughs> um, and so over the course of, so when you set up the game, uh, included is the Wolfman, the Invisible Man, Frankenstein, the Bride, Dracula, and the, the Mummy and the Creature from the Black Lagoon. Oh my God, I need this game. <laughs> um. And then yeah, I've never heard of this. I'm so glad you're sharing it. Yeah, I, I, we found it. It must have been last year um, and then just haven't gotten around to actually playing it until this year. Um, but it's so you get to choose what monsters you want to include in that particular game. Each game takes like an hour ish, depending on how good you are at it and how many monsters you add into the game, you know, determines how difficult it is to play. Um. So we played two rounds of it last night. It's super fun. It includes also like villagers that you need to protect and save. Um, Wait, so do you have to save them? Well, I mean, if you if the monsters kill them, um, the level of of terror in the village goes up, and if it hits to maximum, you lose. Yeah. See, I probably would not be good at playing this. Because I, I think I you would, would be, be like because the monster. because the villagers. Well, the villagers are all characters from the movies. So uh, one of the villager pieces is Abbott and Costello from uh, meets <laughs> awesome. meets Frankenstein. Okay. Um. So and there's Renfield. There's the gypsy woman from the Wolfman. Like, um, it's it's a very very fun game, and you do. It's not that you get to play as the monster, but the monsters do move around the board and you get to interact with them in, in some fun ways and the ways that you sorry. defeat them. Did you say there was a Dracula? There is a Dracula. Okay, good. And it's yeah. it's it's meant to be Bela. Oh, very cool. Yeah, this sounds like a lot of fun. Like, do you need a lot of people to play or can like so, two or three play? Um, I think you could play it with three. We were playing with four and it was totally fine. Um, I think you could even, there is actually rules in the back for playing uh, solo even. Oh, wow. Um, and a, a, way, a way to do that because, um, you know, it to modulate the difficulty and everything. So I think it's for up to six players. Okay. Yeah, I we don't play a lot of board games. It's not that we don't like them. We actually have an entire, like, cabinet full of them uh but it's just one of those things i guess we haven't made time for but mm -hmm. this game sounds so cool and i'm definitely going to google it after we are done recording today because it sounds amazing yeah the the artwork and the design of everything is really good and 
I love all the details that they bring in from the movies, like the different villagers, and even the way that you defeat each of the monsters uh, is different based on like their own attributes. So like for Frankenstein and the bride, you have to um, increase their humanity and let them be together. And then for the Wolfman, you have to find the cure. For Dracula, you have to destroy his coffins before you can defeat him. And there's different items and mechanisms in the game as to how that all happens. Uh, But it's a really nice balance of being... It it feels like there's a lot of stuff in the box, which is great. But also when you actually play it, it's it's not as complicated to play as it seems at first, which was really fun. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I, again, thank you for sharing. It sounds so cool. Yeah, I figured uh, I figured you would enjoy it, and I figured it was a worthy a worthy flick pick because it is it is movie related. Yes, and especially because we're in spooky season, so this could be a fun game to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I go ahead. Oh, I was just I was just about to ask you what your flick pick was for this episode. Yeah, so my flick pick for today is a movie that I watched recently, and I actually just chatted about, as of when we're recording, as of yesterday, with my film pal Liz Locke of Movie John and Cinema Sips. And if you're looking, I feel, for escapism, which I feel we all are at this point, then I highly recommend checking out the sci-fi comedy horror flick the green slime except you really need to say it like green slime (laughs) because there is a theme song for this movie that plays in the beginning and it kind of plays throughout the movie because the song is just awesome um but essentially this story it's so weird when so when we first started watching it the other night it's basically armageddon so I don't know if you have seen Armageddon. But Rosalie, I've I've seen Armageddon. Michael Bay is Armageddon many times. <laughs> Pardon. I have only seen it a couple times, but I do remember it enough to know that the green slime had a lot of similarities when it came to story. Because how it starts out is a bunch of dudes are sent to this asteroid and they are told to basically drill it so that it can break into tiny pieces and avoid colliding with Earth. So, again, it's basically the plot of Armageddon. The only difference is they tell that story in maybe less than 20 minutes, whereas Armageddon is like a two and a half hour long epic. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that leaves like about, I would say, an hour and 15 minutes of the green slime left. So... They end up filling that time with like this love triangle story, but also what happens is while they are drilling into the asteroid, green slime is exposed, and of course it gets on one of the people and they take it back to the space station, and that slime interacts with like electric energy or electricity, I guess you should say. And that basically makes this slime morph into this crazy looking like blob like monster. And 
One thing that I found after I watched the movie is that these monsters, they actually like were costumes that someone created. And another interesting thing is that I guess some of the movie was like shot in Japan. So the monsters are actually like little Japanese kids like dressed up as the monsters. And it's just like when you watch it and then know like there's a little child in this suit. It kind of makes it more incredible because the monsters have these like long tentacle arms and at the end of their arms, instead of hands, they have sparklers. So like, well, that's really it's fun. just a, yeah, it's a really crazy movie and these monsters end up invading this space station. And like I said, there is this like kick-ass theme song i think the only downfall for this movie is honestly like the love triangle because i really don't like the two guys and the lady that they're like both in love with is a doctor and she's super smart and you're just like why is she with either of these dudes because they are just lamos. but other than that the movie's really fun there's a cocktail party in space which afterwards I was really wondering like how they got like champagne into space, but they managed to do it somehow. Um, but yeah, if you want to watch it, it's on TCM until October 25th. I might just have to check that out um, because yeah. I enjoy fun space movies. <laughs> yeah. And it was made in 1968. So there's like a lot of, like like 70s vibe going on uh which of course if you follow cinema sips she loves like 70s era like clothing and hair and so she was very very into this movie uh because it was just again it was like a nice way to escape the hell that we live on (laughs) i couldn't agree more Yeah, so that's my pick for this week. Um, Are you ready to get to this week's question? I am. Okay, here we go. Dear, I saw in a movie. I want to watch a movie that will have me howling at the moon. Which wolf do you recommend? Thanks, pals. Lon Chaney. So I was particularly thrilled with this question because I don't know if you know this, Ryan, but I was raised by wolves and I've always had a fondness for... I was was unaware of that. Yes, I was raised by wolves and, you know, I just have always had a fondness for like wild and hairy creatures and... So, like, to me, I was, like, very excited about this question. And it may come as a surprise to you, but one of the flicks that I recently watched, it was on my Halloween watch list, and it was new to me, was the 1981 flick, An American Werewolf in London. And I absolutely loved it. Have you seen it? I have seen it. Uh, I really enjoy it as well. It's it's a very, very good... It's a, it's a hell of a good time. It is. And honestly, if our listener has not seen this, I, again, I highly recommend it. Because after watching it, 
clearly, without a doubt, it shows probably the epitome of the werewolf transformation scene. Like, in seeing that wolf transform, I was like, oh, this is where, like, everybody probably turns when they're looking to create that in one of their films. I was just so impressed with it. And it's also, like, such a showcase for why... I feel the importance of like practical effects and how there's so much more kick-ass than CGI. So I don't know, like I was just so impressed with the makeup and I I wasn't surprised or shocked to learn that it ended up winning an Oscar for the makeup. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. And I, I saw that afterwards, but I was like, it makes total sense because it just looks fantastic. Uh, but as for the story yeah, the, itself, um, it, for those that... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, uh, the effects definitely stick with me more than the story, although I very much enjoy the scene uh, on the subway, or the tube, I guess, as I should say, because it's London. Oh, yeah. I I agree. Like, the story itself is rather simple or simplistic. I mean, it's definitely the visuals that I feel make the movie fun, and it's the reason to watch it. Uh, But for those that haven't seen it, essentially the story is set in England. These two Americans, David and Jack, are traveling through, and they stumble upon a pub called The Slaughtered Lamb, which I have to mention, I don't know how you feel, Ryan, but I would drink at that pub. I mean, I would drink at most pubs. I'm very much uh, a fan of pubs, so. (laughs) Yeah, and this bar, like, it kind of looks like the epitome of an old man bar, and that is totally my speed. So, yeah, I don't know, like, Obviously, they weren't very welcoming to these two Americans that stumbled in, but I don't know. It still seemed like a place I'd like to go. Uh, But anyways, the um, two Americans, they end up sending them packing and give them a piece of advice. They tell them that they should avoid the moors and beware of the moon. And of course, being American, they don't listen. (laughs) And well... They end up, you know, stumbling into these moors. It's a full moon and they have a run in with a werewolf, which results in Jack literally being teared to shreds and David is bitten. And we all know what that means. He becomes a wolf. So I again, the story is very simple, but then I feel once that happens and he is bitten that's when it really takes off because obviously the makeup becomes such an important piece to the movie which leads me to just some things that I loved about it I you know initially was really sad when I saw Jack die because I really like that actor Mm -hmm. and I love though that they just continue to bring him back because he shows back up in the film later as a corpse, you know, trying to convince his friend like, hey, which is interesting, but you really need to kill yourself because you are a wolf now and you're hurting not only people that have died previously, but you're going to kill people. But 
each time he comes back into the picture, he's kind of a little bit more rotted and decayed. And again, the makeup is just fabulous. Like, I don't know how they did it. Like, it's just really good. Yeah, I really, that's that's like a, a, a movie choice that I enjoy a lot. Um, I also really enjoyed that they did that with Jake Johnson's character in the 2017 The Mummy. Okay. Yeah, I guess <laughs> you could compare it to that as well. I, I mean, that's not where my mind goes, but <laughs> they did do the same element. Because I will say... Like I like when I saw that he died, I was like, no, like I was sad because I thought the character was just done then Mm -hmm. and that you wouldn't hear from him again unless it may have been like, oh, they do a flashback or something like that. Yeah, and that's why I enjoy it, because, you know, it's kind of like they get to to raise the stakes of the movie And then they also get to like by killing a character off that you would you don't expect because you expect like the you know the friend character to stick around for the whole movie, and so he does get to be in the rest of the movie, but also gets to do you know an undead performance. Yeah, and the character Jack and I didn't even mention the actor's name is Griffin Dunn. He's very comedic and. Like, his timing is just perfect. I like the way he he delivers the lines. And he's also in one of my other favorite movies, which is actually a Madonna movie called Who's That Girl? And I'm really hoping at some point we get a question from someone about, like, what's your favorite Jungle Cat movie? Because it would be this one. So hopefully someday I'll get to talk about that movie more. Uh, But... Yeah, Griffin Dunn, I just really enjoyed him in this werewolf movie. Yeah, he's also really good in After Hours, the Martin Scorsese movie. Yes, and I I watched that earlier this year for the first time. And yes, you are right. He was great in that too. That was a fun movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... The other you know, part I loved as well about this was seeing the wolf like terrorizing through London. At one point, he ends up in like an X-rated movie theater, which is kind of funny. And I, I found though, like I much preferred David when he was the wolf. Like David, the person, he was kind of a lame-o, but like. As the wolf, he was super cool. And again, I just, I cannot get over like how that transformation scene looked. It was incredible because I watched it with my husband and I was just like, wow, like to, to see something like that done without using like computer graphics, it's just incredible. Yeah, I I feel like the, you know, 80s and into the early 90s is like peak physical effect wizardry. Mm-hmm. You know, cuz the yeah. thing is right around the same time. Um and yeah, it, it stuff was just getting better and better and more interesting and you know, I think I think it it sort of sets the standard for werewolf transformations in in any movie that has come after it. Yeah, have you gotten a chance to watch Possessor yet? Uh, not yet. I had a screener of it, and I just with the 
yeah the things have gotten have gotten in the way so i will have to catch up with it before the end of the year but yeah because um, i will i i I feel fortunate that I got to see it at Sundance because they had the director there. And the reason I bring it up is because somebody in the audience had asked how they achieved some of the effects. In particular, there's like a scene where like a face is melting. And he's like, well, it's practical effects. I melted wax. And I was just like, I was so happy to hear that. Uh, but he just, you know, spoke a little bit about how, yeah, it does take longer to do and it is a craft that, you know, you have to be willing to spend the time, but the outcome is usually so much better, uh, cause it makes your movie look better, uh, versus like, okay, I'm just gonna, you know, not that taking, you know, using computer graphics is easy either there's challenges with that as well but doing practical effects it takes a lot of time like i was thinking about imagine the amount of hours they spent doing that makeup on the wolf like i can't even imagine yeah and and it's it's one of those where you know i think we've talked about before it's one of those it's the kind of thing where it's in the limitations of something that people have to get creative. So I feel like it's because you can do anything with CGI. It's just easier to do something and not challenge yourself to figure out, well, if we can't get, get it to work this way, then we can do this other idea. And sometimes, you know, the whole necessity of being the mother of invention kind of thing, I think leads to more interesting stuff. Whereas like, sure. I feel like because CGI, it's like, well, we could just do the the first idea that we had, you know what I mean? And not necessarily push ourselves to, to find something that just looks good because we can make anything that looks decent enough. Yeah. And I also think too, there has to be, you know, some issues where maybe an actor doesn't want to sit through five hours of makeup and then shoot a scene that takes like 10 minutes. You know? I suppose. <laughs> but I don't know. I was just so impressed. And I think what made watching this movie even greater was that I actually watched it on my birthday, uh, which recently passed. And it was just so fun. You know, again, if you're looking for escapism and you just want to have watch something, because again, the story is not too involved. It's pretty simplistic. Uh, but yeah, it was just a fun little movie to watch and there's just so many werewolf movies i feel coming out right now um including my short that is going to be coming out soon pizza man but then i know i mentioned in one of the previous episodes jim cummings wolf of snow hollow uh so yeah i'm glad to kind of see that we're living in this like where werewolf renaissance right now where they're just a lot of movies are coming out with werewolves yeah, it, it is interesting how these trends kind of uh, go back and forth, you know, o- over the years. Like, I know there was an article that, um, you know, like aliens, vampires, zombies, werewolves, like they they sort of follow political trends. Like if there's a president from one party, then typically, like, you know, typically like one kind of movie becomes more popular because... Mm-hmm both things are sort of speaking to our fears and concerns in interesting ways. And I feel like we're in a cycle where we're all just afraid of everything. So, um, <laughs> you know, 
there's there's plenty to be had, but um, you know, for my picks, I actually need to turn the clock all the way back. Okay. Um, so I both for the first time in the past couple months have seen both uh, Werewolf of London from 1935 and The Wolfman from 1941. Um, so Werewolf of London is supposedly the first werewolf movie. Okay. Uh, and The Wolf and The Wolfman being, I think, the more famous one uh, with Lon Chaney Jr. in the makeup. And everyone's very familiar with the, I feel like, the look of him. Um, and the both of the movies are, are actually, like, really good. And they involve a romance. Um, I actually like the premise of Werewolf of London a little bit more. Uh, because it doesn't involve, you know, gypsy fortunes and things. Um, <laughs> and... But what I think is interesting about both movies is that um, they both have a mix of science and magic. So the main character in Werewolf of London is a botanist, uh, and he gets bit when he's looking for this rare flower in Tibet, which coincidentally also has the, the supposed cure for werewolfism. Um, and in both movies, like the werewolf character is compelled to kill that who they that whom they love the most. And you know, I think I think that's a really interesting idea and that sort of science magic theme carries over into the wolfman where you know, all of the characters around him are trying to say like, well, it's not a real wolf, it's like a psychological break, you know, and then there are people who believe in werewolves that are like, no, it literally he's turning into a wolf like <laughs> um and I think that you know the a lot of the universal monster movies kind of have those dueling themes in there where there's a that mix of science and magic and i i always find that really really interesting and i think they sort of enrich each other conceptually so like it's not just magic it's not just science it's like magic and on then also something that's beyond science in a weird way if that makes sense yeah i it's funny. I don't think I've watched um, the first movie you mentioned, The Wolf, The Werewolf of London. Is that mm -hmm. what it's called? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I haven't seen that one yet. Uh, but obviously, The Wolfman, I have seen. And that also has Bella in it. So mm -hmm. it, it is one of the flicks that of Universal Monster flicks that I really enjoy and like. And yeah, it's interesting too, just talking about you know, how people tend to, I guess, correlate like a werewolf with that movie. Because over time, like it's been so interesting to see different versions and takes of how, I guess, people see a werewolf. Uh, but I don't know, I always find like, I, I like when the wolf looks more simplistic. I don't really like when they look really scary or terrifying if that makes any sense no i think that does make sense and um the uh who is it the um i'm trying to look at the uh jack pierce uh did the makeup for both okay for, for both films oh cool and, yeah and what i like about the werewolf of london design is that he looks even more human than lon cheney does in the wolfman okay like the makeup is even more minimal, which I actually kind of appreciate. And like, to me, 
what I don't like about newer werewolf movies that have CGI is that you lose the human face when you actually, when they have like an actual, like, you know, wolf like snout. Yeah. And I feel like, again, they're just trying so hard to make it look terrifying where it just comes off as kind of silly then. Uh, I like how, you know, you're describing it of it having of the wolf having more of a human face because in reality, that's what it is. It's this person that's transforming into this animal. Uh, right. Yeah. I like the wolf man versus the werewolf where they just turn into a wolf or like, right. a, you know, even if it's mm-hmm. a large wolf, I just think it's, I just don't think it's as interesting or as scary, you know what I mean? Because it, it because what's scary about werewolf the werewolf is the idea of you losing control over yourself and your body and like and then encountering somebody who is experiencing that versus when they are just a a wolf you're like well i'm just encountering an animal you know what i mean like i don't know there's something that's not as scary it's a different kind of scary i guess yeah i mean obviously i feel like the whole transformation part especially when it's shown that just seems really frightening to me mm-hmm. but then to your point the scariest part i think for someone that's a werewolf is the fact that you don't remember like anything you did while you were transformed which seems to be a theme that you see in most of these films that when they were transform at night they go out they do these things and then the next day they're just like what did i do mm-hmm. um I think that is really scary. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. That's that's definitely um, that's definitely part of what makes them scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know that I think they're working on a new one that's supposed to be coming out, and I I almost feel like didn't Ryan Gosling get like cast in it? I mean, sure. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how that's going to turn out. Um, and, and there's nothing against Ryan Gosling, but I feel like there's so many of these now where they're like, oh, here's this big star that's in this movie that's bringing back this franchise. And I'm like, okay. But like, I would be excited enough if they just brought back the, the franchise. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like sometimes getting a big star on those projects puts the... the um, puts the priorities in the wrong order sure i and i think to go along with that for me if they are going to try to reboot this film what it's going to come down to again is the makeup you know and how they go about actually depicting this werewolf because to your point like i i think ryan gosling he'd probably be fine in it but I'll tell you, like, if it's a CGI-looking computer creature, I'm probably not going to be interested. Uh, I don't know. like, and, and that's something that I do really love about these older movies is that they didn't have the benefit to utilize those sorts of things, so they had to get creative. And, you know, sometimes I think that was definitely a positive for a film watcher. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, I, I I agree with you. It's funny when you said about, oh, people think of the Wolfman as like the iconic 
werewolf. I I personally do too because it looks awesome. I like his little fangs. Yes. <laughs> um, he, yeah, he's I, great, and it, it's a great Lon Chaney Jr. performance. I know you're not his biggest fan, but I think he's. I am not. Great man. But I agree. He he is great in that, and he ends up reprising that role again in the Abbott Costello. And I feel like does is he a wolf in another one too? He is a wolf in, uh, I believe, uh, the one I haven't seen. Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know. He's fine as the wolf. Well, you don't even really see him because he has the makeup on. So he's just the wolf. Right. But I, I mean, I think his performance under the makeup is actually is actually pretty great. And I like that he, similar to an American werewolf in London, uh, I feel like more so with the Wolfman uh, than with Werewolf of London. I do like that that the characters that transform into the wolf are not necessarily the most likable characters. And so sure. I feel like people are even less willing to want to help them <laughs> because, um, you know, be- because they just don't, they're like, well, you know, this person's just kind of not, not, a, not a great person. So like, well, I, I, I kind of don't care. You know what I mean? Like I want to stop this from right. happening, but it's not necessarily that I want to cure them. I just want to get rid of this wolf problem. Right. It's like nobody really wants to help Lon Chaney. They just, Lon Chaney Jr., they just don't want to deal with a wolf. Right. Terrorizing their village. So that's why they're helping try to solve his problem. <laughs> um, but I do, I enjoy, I, I like Lon Chaney Jr. more than you do, but I agree that in The Wolfman he is. He's doing a good job at playing unlikable, is what I'm going to say. Yeah. I mean, we all have our likes and dislikes. Mm-hmm. You like Mummy. I do mm-hmm. not. You like Lon Chaney Jr. I do not. And that's fine. You also like that weird, like, fur coat that Frankenstein wore. The monster. Oh, in uh, Son of Frankenstein? Yeah. And I don't like that either. But that's okay. We can still be friends, and it's fine. It's not a choice I would make for that character, but I find it an interesting choice. <laughs> I, I will say, yes, it is a choice that someone made. Yes. And in my opinion, it was a poor choice. But yes, a choice indeed. So I think we're about ready to sign off. Uh I hope we helped the listener here in finding a werewolf movie. I mean, there's so many out there, but I don't know. There's a lot of, there's a lot of bad ones. So beware. Uh, But don't forget that you can find a breakdown of this episode and our other episodes on moviejohn.com. You can also subscribe to our quarterly print movie zine there. And make sure that you check out moviejohn.com slash shop if you want to sign up for home delivery. You can follow us on social media. We are on Twitter at I Saw in a Movie. And if you're seeking advice, send us questions to dear I Saw in a Movie at gmail.com. Or you can send us postal mail at P.O. Box 20172, Philadelphia, PA 19145, Attention Movie John. 
And Ryan, where can people find you at? Sure. You can find uh, my writing on cinema76.com. You can also check out my other podcasts, The Shame Files uh, and F Yet F1, wherever you're listening to uh, whatever podcast app you use. Uh, and yeah. Oh, and you can find me personally on Twitter and Letterboxd at Silver, whatever. That's with a B. And you can find me on Instagram at the.oldsport or Twitter at bonjouroldsport or also check out my other podcast, Cinematic Crypt, in which I go six feet under to uncover films of Hollywood's past. Find it wherever you catch your pods or download at moviejohn.com under MJ Pods. So before we go, Ryan, do you have a piece of advice for today? Uh, so this is from uh, Werewolf of London. Uh, there's a priest character, and he says, you are foolish, but without fools, there would be no wisdom. Okay, okay. Well, I I think that is a very interesting piece of advice. Uh, did you have some advice to share from an American werewolf in London? I do, and it comes from... The person is just credited as chess player in the Slaughtered Lamb pub. Beware the moon, lads. And yes, I I highly recommend to all of our listeners that on a full moon night, maybe avoid the moors, but also stay inside. Otherwise, you may have a run-in with the werewolf. So Ryan, beware of the moon. I I will very much keep the moon in mind (laughs) well thank you for listening and until next time remember for every question there is a movie with the answer goodbye bye-bye